Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Many of us have forgotten where we came from. Bottom feeders, the dredges. Now that we're in the light and God's cleaned us up, I mean, who cares about those people? Jesus does. He cared about me. He cared about you. And see, it's not a thing of the head, it's a thing of the heart. And Jesus says, come on, come on guys, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. The scriptures teach us that there's a way which seems right to a man, but its way only ends in destruction. Well, that's exactly what Pastor Mark will be teaching us today. He'll pose the question, why do I need to follow Jesus? The answer is pretty simple. We need to follow Jesus because following our own will, living independently from God, our Creator, will always lead to a dead end. In the book of Proverbs, we see this biblical truth confirmed. It states, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding." In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 18, with our continuing study entitled, Expand Your Life, Follow Jesus. That's a whole lot different than, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. It's a lifestyle of following Jesus Christ. It is responding to his command. Today, we really have too many converts. Jesus was saying, come. I'm commanding you to come. Walk with me. Be a disciple of mine. I want to develop a relationship with you, each of you, every single one of you. And Jesus this morning is calling you, and he's calling me, to exactly the same role as these four initial followers. You see, Jesus knew that the world would never be one to Jesus through converts but through disciples. Converts do nothing but care for themselves. Disciples lay down their lives for others. That's what it would take to win the world from Jesus Christ. 2,000 years later, we have a church that's alive and active on this planet because these four guys initially, with the others as we'll study as we go through the book of Mark, responded to the command to an intimate lifestyle in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Point number three. Well, actually, before we get there, let me give you three steps to following. Three steps to following. Okay? First one is this. Trust. Think about it. These guys are in their boats. Jesus says, come and follow me. Now, why would they follow? Because they had heard Jesus. His words were all over Israel. And they knew things were happening in his life. So they trusted Jesus. 
You won't follow someone unless you trust them. Do you trust Jesus this morning with your life? Jesus knows the way. These guys trusted their life to Jesus because they knew this guy was in contact with God. This morning, if you're going to follow Jesus, the very first thing you have to do is you have to trust Him. Second thing is to have radical obedience. This radical call would require radical obedience. If you're going to trust God, when He calls you to do something, you're going to obey Him without question. Look at verse 18. It says, at once they left their nets. Look at verse 20. Without delay, He called them and they left their father. I love it. Can you imagine Zebedee's out there in the hired boats, hired men, and they're out in the boats, and there's his two sons saying, bye, dad. And he's left out there. What? Where, where'd they go? You see, it was radical. It was radical. For you and I, we're scared of this. But see, there was an urgency. There was no time to waste. Jesus had three and a half years, even less now to get these guys, to disciple them, to make them followers of Him. The world was waiting. People were lost. There was an urgency in His call, and there was an instant response from them. You know, when God calls us to do something, and there's an urgency, we shouldn't sit there with excuses. We should immediately respond. Because there's a timing that's involved always in God's will. Sometimes we have so little urgency about the lost of this world. We're just doing our thing. So they're going to hell. What's the big deal? God wants to place within us an urgency, a sensation of how it is to be lost, to remind us, to bring us back to that place. When God speaks to you, what excuses have you come up with? The third thing, not only do you trust, not only do you have radical obedience, but the third thing is you'll leave some things behind. The disciples, they trusted Jesus, they obeyed immediately, and that caused them to leave some things behind. If you look there, you see Peter and Simon left their boats and their nets. All their life, they were comfortable with these. They left them. You see James and John, they leave a business, their father, in the fishing boats and nets, and they walk away. You see, disciples of Jesus have to learn to put Him first. The things of this world become secondary. They really have very little value. The longer you serve Jesus Christ, the closer you follow, you should find it easier to leave things behind. You see, when you die and when I die, we take nothing with us. And yet we have such a tight grip that often we don't follow Jesus because we have this baggage behind. What's keeping you this morning from following Jesus? Is there anything? If there is, the wisest thing you can do in your life Just leave it behind and follow Him because none of that matters at all. Now, why do I need to follow Jesus? Turn to two verses in the Old Testament quickly. We're going to get through this quickly. Proverbs 14, 12 and Jeremiah 29, 11. 
Why did these guys follow Jesus? Why should you and I actually follow Jesus today? What's wrong? Why do I need to follow him? You remember Proverbs is right after Psalms, kind of in the middle of the Old Testament. Just turn to the right and you'll find it. And Jeremiah, just a few books back, and that's Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's look at Proverbs 14, 12. It says this, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. The reason you want to follow Jesus is this. Because if you follow your own will, it'll always lead you to a dead end. Remember Adam and Eve? God said, here's what you're to do. If you follow me, you'll have perfect paradise. They said, "Mm, I think we have our own plan. They had their own plan and it ended in death. You see, you have your own plan this morning. It's not going to be a good plan. Our own way is always built in selfishness. In selfishness. It's always my way, me, myself, I. God says, if you follow your own way, it will always end in death. The second thing, look at Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Write this down. God's plans for me are always better than any plan I could make myself. You have to understand that. You have to believe that. If you look back on your life, you will see that the most of your plans always ended up in trouble, didn't they? But if you followed God, even though there were difficulties, even though there were trials, His plan was always best for you. There's no way to find a better plan than to follow Jesus Christ. So I follow Him because my own way always leads selfishly to death and barrenness and boredom. But God's plan is always perfect for me. Now, point number three, finally. Following Jesus will expand your life. Following Jesus will expand your life. Think about the disciples. They had all their life been in this little town around Galilee. And just picture yourself that you're those disciples this morning. Your whole life had been concerned in this little area. Listen to how Kent Hughes says it. I love it. He says this, Following Jesus to these disciples would mean an immensely expanded lifestyle. The horizon of these fishermen and their lives had been bound by the margins of the Lake of Galilee. That's where they lived. Once in a while, they would go down to Jerusalem, maybe for one of the feasts or the festivals. But by and large, they knew little more than the deck of their boat, the currents of the lake, the handful of people in the marketplace. You you see, these disciples... Their whole lives, before they met Jesus, were connected with boats and nets and fish, Galilee, once in a while a big weekend in Jerusalem. Same people in the marketplace. Just a common, that was their life, day in, day out. But then they met Jesus, and their life would never be the same. 
It would be expanded beyond measure. Listen to what happened. Then Christ came and how their world would change in place of Galilee would be now the world. John, the fisherman, was to become the bishop of Ephesus. Peter would end up in Rome and lo and behold, Andrew would go as far as Russia. You see, when you meet Jesus... You just don't expand your physical world, new places and all those kind of things, new boats and all that. That isn't it. All of those kind of take a back seat. And when you meet Jesus, you find out what life is all about. It's about people. There is nothing more exciting, more expanding, more challenging than following Jesus Christ on a daily basis. In spite of all the difficulties and trials, the Christian life is the absolute best in all the world. Write this statement down. It comes from Bill Hybels, and I love it. And I want you to relate to this definition of Christianity. It says this, Christianity is a supernatural walk, is a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God. I'll repeat it. Christianity is a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, speaking, personal God. You should be excited about life. If you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus, you should be so excited about serving Him. Think about this. If you're excited about serving Him, then your expand, your lifestyle just expands the horizons of who you touch and what your everyday life is. But so many Christians are just bored. Every day, just the same old stuff. We come to church, we do our thing. We go home to a week of work, meals, little league, music lessons. We come back and we go through another week and that's our life. Now I said to you, Christianity is a supernatural walk with an exciting, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you think that's what the world thinks of Christianity? Not a chance. If you would ask one of your friends, invite them to church and see what kind of things you'll hear. Well, why would I want to go to church? Who wants to go and be bored? Who wants to hear some guy flap his mouth about do's and don'ts? Who wants to hear about hell? Who wants to be yelled at? Who wants to go and hear some guy try to get money out of your pocket? Why would I want to go to church? How many of you thought that before you became a Christian? Well, sure you did. Where did those people get that definition? From you Christians is where they got it. Because that's what your life is like. Yeah, do you like the kind of church in me? <laughs> My pastor says I'm supposed to invite somebody. It's <laughs> exactly right. Oh, by the way, here's a tape. Here's a card. Wrong card or whatever. You give me an old card. I mean, you don't nothing fresh in your life. Well, why would anybody want to follow you? I want to say something to you this morning. Jesus Christ, today, I'm more excited about serving Jesus Christ today than I was yesterday. 
Now, this week, God had to tweak me a little. Kind of in the middle of the week, I was just, man, I'm overloaded here. And God went, tweak, tweak. And yes, thank you very much. <laughs> and he adjusted my spirit. And I was better all week. You know what I mean, don't you? Ever been tweaked by God? Hmm? Well, that's because I had to minister. And you have to minister out of overflow. And if you minister out of grouchiness and too much and whatever, you're going to say to the world, this is a lousy life. So I had to say, God, I need your power. I need your strength this week. I need your help. And he had made a little adjustment in me. And I want to ask you this morning, are you more excited about serving Jesus today than you were yesterday? If not, that's why you're here. You see, when you serve Jesus Christ, it will expand your life. No longer will you be living this boring, routine existence, but there'll be freshness, there'll be some excitement, even if there is difficulties. Point number four this morning is this. Followers of Jesus will become fishers of people. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus says this, Come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What is the reason Jesus had called these disciples? It wasn't just to follow Him. It wasn't just to learn how He walked and talked and dealt with people. That was part of it. But they would see, as they followed Jesus, that the main thrust of His life was saving the lost. They would get it. Not just from His words, but from His priority. There would be a compassion, a compelling drive to minister to the lost. Notice, look at that verse again. It says, I will make you fishers of men. To do that, they had to leave some things behind. You will have to leave some things behind if you're going to follow Jesus Christ. Now, don't get the wrong impression. Some people feel if they're going to really serve Jesus Christ, what they're going to have to leave behind is their job and their nets and whatever, and they're going to have to be like the disciples. These guys were unique. Can you imagine what it would be like if this week you God called you and all of you said, well, I'm going to leave behind my job. I'm going to quit the school and the place of work in Harris, and I'm going to quit taking care of the kids at home and daycare and working in the gas station, whatever. And we're all going to be pastors. So next week, here's what it would be. I'd be sitting out there and all of you would be up here. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? No, it wouldn't. Some of you would like to get up here, but it would be miserable. So what God means with leaving behind is He doesn't mean most of us, probably 99% of us, aren't to quit our jobs. We're to stay right where we're at. But we're to set aside those things that keep us from opening our mouth and being effective. A few people He calls like this. But most of us need to be ministering right where we're at. Now look, he says, who's going to make you and I fishermen? Who? He says, I will make you. The making is left up to God. It isn't me. It isn't you. 
It's God. It's a process. If you're going to be a fisherman, as these guys well knew, it would require patience, endurance, skill, discernment. It would be a process. It would be a lifelong process. This training would take a lifelong time. And here's what it would be like. Listen, as they would follow Jesus, they would be reminded of in their minds how they did this naturally. They would follow Jesus and they would see Jesus do this. You see, in those days, the fishing was done with round nets with weights on the end. And they would go and they would throw out the net. And what Jesus was saying to them was this. As you were fishermen in the natural world, we will see the spiritual application. You see, outside of this building this morning, there is an ocean of humanity, fish, who are in the stream of life, being driven by the current of sin. And they're going through life with no knowledge that there's a God. They don't even know that their sin has separated them from God. They're lost. They're just going down the stream of life. And Jesus says, come on, boys. And as you follow me, you're going to find how to throw out the net. And sometimes you're going to throw it and you're going to bring it all the way back and There's nothing. And other times you're going to throw it and you're going to bring it back and you're going to have all kinds of fish. A book I read this week challenged me. It said this, we're getting all kinds of fish polluted and otherwise because the rivers of our life, of this world, are more polluted than they've ever been by sin. You see, when we pull these people in, whatever they have in their life, All we're to do is to pull them in. Jesus will clean them up. Don't get your role mixed here. Don't be separating fish. Well, this is a keeper. This one isn't. (laughs) Aren't you glad that you were a keeper? You really weren't by our ideas, but you were by God's. This is what we'll be doing. Outside your neighborhood this morning, fish, currents, sin, lost, lost. Jesus says, come and I will make you fishers of men. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer it out loud. Just think about it. Can you actually be a follower of Jesus Christ without being a fisher of men and women? Not a chance. The whole purpose of following, the whole outcome, is to save the lost. But many of us have forgotten what it was like swimming without light, without hope. Many of us have forgotten where we came from. Bottom feeders, the dredges, Now that we're in the light and God's cleaned us up, I mean, who cares about those people? Jesus does. He cared about me, cared about you. And see, it's not a thing of the head, it's a thing of the heart. And Jesus says, come on, come on guys, I'm gonna make you a fisher of men and women. As believers, we've been set free from the bondage of sin and death. 
We no longer have to fear the grave. We have heaven to look forward to. We have hope that Jesus, our Savior, who will never leave or forsake us, is with us. We've been given many beautiful promises through His Word. Now let's take this good news and share it with others. Let them see the joy, hope, and peace that can only be found through a relationship with Jesus. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll be reminded that this life is a battlefield. It may sound a little overdramatic, but it is true. If we understand what's taking place in the spiritual realm, if we realize that there is a war waging for our souls, then we'll get a glimpse of how serious this battle is. Don't forget that Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy you. That's why we need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. It is He who goes before us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living.